the Italian Wine Podcast is the community-driven platform for Italian wine geeks around the world. Support the show by donating at italianwinepodcast.com. Donate five or more euros and we'll send you a copy of our latest book, My Italian Grape Geek Journal, absolutely free. To get your free copy of My Italian Grape Geek Journal, click support us at italianwinepodcast.com or wherever you get your pods. Grazie mille. Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Okay, hello everybody. Buonasera a tutti. My name is Stevie Kim and welcome to Italian Wine Club on Clubhouse. Today's Thanksgiving Day. Happy Thanksgiving everybody and we are still um, trying to come off our comatose state of the Thanksgiving party at the office, so. Ciao, Anna. Come stai? Hey, ciao. Hi. Ciao, Stevie. Long time Tutto no see. Tutto bene, grazie. Long time no see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, we were just with Anna at the uh, Gita Scholastica. We were doing some very serious deep dive. I think we've tasted about 120 Wines of Verdicchio, de Castelli di Iesi, Voldicchio di Metallica, Lacrima di Moro d'Alba, and then Rosso Conero, about 120 wines. We've seen about 60 producers. It was very, very intense in four days. So I just saw Anna um, just a few days ago, actually. And today's the Ambassador's Corner Thanksgiving edition, and it's a fireside chat with Jacopo Maniacci. Anna, tell us a little bit about why you've chosen Jacopo as your favorite producer today. Yeah, as you as you mentioned, um, I was an I was an um, actually I was a, um, I was a Gister Scholastica at uh, Etna. Aha, uh, first Gourmet. Yes. Okay, great. So and then press tour uh, to the wineries of uh, Etna. And um, one of the producers we visited was Tenuta di Fessina, which uh, was absolutely fascinating. And, um, you know, um, one of my biggest impressions of Etna Tour was Etna Bianco. I didn't ever expect Etna Bianco wines to be of such a high quality. We tasted a number of uh, wines of different producers from... Uh, from smaller to bigger, from pioneer like um, <laughs> from pioneer like Salvo Forti to uh, new wave producers. So it was really fascinating, and I thought it would be great to in- invite um, Jacopo for Ambassador's Corner and discuss a bit about uh, beautiful wines, about Caricante grape, about the re- the area, um, just basically about everything. 
Yeah, and we've just come from the trip from Marque, where, where we saw the ageability of these lovely white wines of, um, I mean, above all, I suppose, Verdicchio. Uh, so it will be very interesting to understand the ageability of Caricante as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, plus, uh, in in addition uh, to everything, Jacopo is a great speaker. Uh, he's uh, really great at telling wine stories. So it I'm should be excited. a very joyful interview. Yeah, so what are the learning objectives that we should expect um, from this call today? Well, honestly, I just wanted uh, you guys to hear Jacob's stories uh-huh. uh, because it was such a such a pleasure. Uh, so that he shares them with all of you also. But uh, we cannot miss uh, uh, the topic of uh, factors of quality of Edna Bianco. This I would like to to discuss as well. Uh, And also perspective on markets outside of Italy. Okay, very good. I didn't introduce Anna because everybody knows who's Anna by now (laughs) on the Italian Wine Podcast. Um, This is like your fourth or fourth interview maybe? I think it's six. I uh, counted yesterday. Oh my goodness, Anna. <laughs> wait a minute. Hold on one second. Congratulations. <laughs> I think you've done more than any of the other ambassadors. My goodness. Congrats. And thank you thank so you. much for doing this. Very excited. Um, your interviews are always punctual. And we learn so many things from, from the call. So um, I'm going to just leave the floor to you, and uh, um, and I'll come back maybe towards the end of the, end of the call, or maybe Lycan can uh, fill in, because today's Thanksgiving, so I'm, I'm I'll be on my way back home to do the Thanksgiving dinner as well at home, not just at the office. So, okay, already, I'm over to you, Anna. Grazie mille, grazie mille, Stevie. Have a great evening and. Uh, well, I like to welcome uh, Jacobo to the to the interview to this podcast to the to the clubhouse. Um, so uh, just just a very short brief um, introduction. So because Jacobo is obviously a very young person, but uh, there is quite a large bio. So I would like to shorten it uh, a bit and let uh, Jacobo tell mostly about himself. So he he has been working in the winery Tenuta de Fessina since 2014 and the project was actually born in 2007 it was found by Silvia Mastrelli a Tuscan producer and pioneer on the volcano so uh, we'll speak about it uh, a bit later so uh, Jacopo uh, is uh, actually uh, from Sicily so he graduated from uh, University of Messina in Sicily uh, he got a master's degree at the University of Gastronomic Science in Polenzo, Cuneo. And his family is in restaurant and breeding in the mountains of Nibrodi, but he lives in the winery since 2017, taking care of, of the whole project Tenuta di Ficina. So, um, ciao Jacopo, come stai? Buonasera a tutti, I'm very good, I'm very good, thank you. So could you please uh, tell us as an introduction, uh, what exactly, uh, can you say just a few words about uh, your project, the Tinuta di Fessina? What's, what's the correct, is it Fessina or Fessina? 
who knows? Still today, a lot of people are saying Fessina, but actually the original name of the hamlet of, of the estate, historically talking, is Fessina. So personally, I say Fessina, but I don't really get offended if someone says Fessina. Okay, so could you please uh, tell us uh, a short story behind Tinuta de Fessina estate, um, how, how it was possible to get uh, these vineyards um, and what's... Uh, how it is working with these old vines for you. Absolutely. So you have to know that, as you mentioned earlier on, the estate has been founded by Silvia Maestrelli, and she was a, a Tuscan winemaker. She was already owning and making wine in Tuscany with the family company, which is called Villa Petriolo. And back around 2005 and six, she actually met Salvo Foti that you mentioned uh, before. And actually Salvo was the person who showed Silvia the estate for the first time. And she fell in love with Mount Etna and she decided to produce wines here. So she left Tuscany and she moved here. Um, Silvia unfortunately died a few years ago, but the legacy is still running on uh, with us today and, and the family as well of Silvia. The, the interesting part is that she bought the estate, which at the time was five hectares. Today it's around 17, but the core that she bought was around five and today it's it's increased a little bit it's around nine and it's located on the northern side of mount etna on the northern slope which is mainly recognized for nerello mascalese production uh, unfortunately she bought the estate and this this was almost a nightmare for all of us because she bought it from 12 different owners and they were all sicilians all relatives and all quite old so as you can imagine we had such funny days at the lawyer office making the deal <laughs> we lost more than a year dealing with them trying to convince them and uh, finally on the uh, in the beginning the actually the 7th of october 2007 she bought the estate right after the purchase the most difficult thing for all of us was to understand which was the composition in the vineyard because she bought such a, a an old fragmented uh, let me allow the word messy vineyard because all the 12 different owners just planted and propagated and grafted and replanted vines for 100 or 200 years without any or very few registered documents. In fact, the only document that I own still today, it's, it's split up in two small parcels. One, it's uh, certified 1932 and the other one is certified 1920 which means that the average age in the field it's all bush wines so alberelli uh, it it should be around 90 plus years old which is not really true even in the beginning walking into the vineyard was was clear even by sight that the the, the vineyard itself was uh, was mixed up so vines with different ages and different varieties as well um, which is a, a classic feature of old Sicilian or Southern Italian or Italian. I mean, on Etna is very, very common to walk into an old vineyard and find different varieties. It was uh, the way of making wine at the time in the Palmentos, which is the traditional winemaking area uh, that required different varieties, but it was also tradition, it was heritage, and it was also a way 
to survive, let me tell you, 100 years ago with a piece of land, it was vineyard plus pier, peaches, uh, orchards, veggies, whatever, all, all included in the same area. So the biodiversity was very high. Uh, so when we arrived, all this crazy situation was in front of us, which was beautiful and it is still today, but was very complex to understand the, the composition of this thing. So we worked with few professionals. I have to say thanks to Mr. Rocco Trefiletti, the University of Catania, the Agronomical Office of Mount Etna, uh, because we were able to work with them for a while, dating back DNAs and, 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 and varieties and clones. We ended up many years after, uh, almost when, when I arrived, I would say, um, as GM, but um, let me tell you that today the nine hectares are mainly made by Nerello Mascalese, which is the first row actor here on the volcano, red grape variety, uh, split it up in at least eight different DNA variations, so different rootstocks at the end, and uh, the rest is split up by Nerello Cappuccio, which is a sort of back singer here on the volcano, perfect for blending uh, for several reasons, mainly color. So the traditional Etna Rosso that you are drinking uh, on your tables should be Mascalese and Cappuccio. It must be at least 80% Mascalese, but usually and historically there is some Cappuccio in. And uh, I have at least five or six different varieties of of. Uh, of white grapes, including uh, Carricante, Catarratto, Minnella, Moscatella, Riesling, and probably stuff that I even have no idea what it is, uh, which is funny enough for me. Um, besides that, the estate owns another, uh, between rent and owning, owns another uh, three plus four hectares on the east and the southwest where we focused everything on Carricante, so just white grapes, which is probably... Uh, something that we we invested really really in the past around 2009 Silvia decided to invest in Carricante which was almost unknown uh besides uh Salvo Foti and Benanti family and other Barone di Villa Grande and other few producers on the volcano so we we are working with Carricante since almost uh, same time as Mascalese I would say um, and that's more or less the composition of the winery regarding fields. Besides that, we have a beautiful 17th century Palmento, which is the estate today, all renewed. But you have been there, so you know, but quite original at the same time. It's quite untouched. And uh, a good hospitality and wine tasting area, which today makes around four, five hundred guests per month from march to october so we have a lot of stuff to do here as you can imagine yeah yeah it's very impressive uh, i mean there is no easy way to collect uh, vineyards uh, on etna by by just wait and uh, <laughs> hope for luck uh, that some owners will actually sell it to to somebody to, to you. Uh, so yeah, it's a great job done. I had a big pleasure visiting the visiting the state. And can you please specify which are your duties um, in the in the Tenute de Ficina? What, who, what do you do? Knows? I know. I know. I know. Who you're knows? A person. Who knows? I, I I still don't know nowadays what I do here at the winery. I do a little <laughs> bit of everything. I, I I should be the I I should be the CEO, but sometimes I I do feel like an old cat. Everybody knows me. I walk around the winery, staying on. I don't know. They they just they just take care of me. Sometimes we are a great team. We are working together since fourteen years. So I am the CEO, but at the same time I should say thanks to. So 
so many people uh, because the the good feeling about having a winery, which is, uh, let me say, small, medium size today because we produce around 80,000 bottles nowadays, which is medium for Mount Etna. It's, it's not uh, like a large winery at all, but it's neither small. Um, the good vibe is that we know each other since many, many years. So it's like, say, in such a small company, sometimes you have the feeling of uh, living also in a small family somehow. Not really. So similar, similar, because you, you, you have the same feeling sometimes. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for, for explaining. I somehow uh, feel you because... Um, you know, when when it's a uh, when it's a startup, when it's a young project, there's a lot to be done uh, in order to grow. So, yeah, Absolutely. and compliments compliments on a great uh, teamwork you do. And uh, I should mention uh, that uh, your wines I first tasted not even at the estate, but I first tasted uh, at the seminar uh, run by Daniele Cernini, the doctor of wine. It was. Uh, lineup of um, Etna Rosso plus uh, versus Burgundy. So it was Pinot Noir versus uh, Nerella Mascalese wine. And your uh, wine, Tinuto de Ficina, was in a pair on blinding tasting with uh, uh, Pinot Noir from Bonn, Côte de Bonn. And mm-hmm. uh, I noticed how fresh and how beautiful and just how elegant this wine is. And then when we visited you in the estate, um, we tasted this beautiful uh, Caricante of uh, 2012, uh, which which was of um, 12-year-old. Uh, very fresh, so beautiful, so uh, <laughs> lively. Um, so my question, my next question is, which are the factors of quality uh, of wines on Etna? especially Etna Bianco wines, because that's what surprised me the most. Mm, So I'm going to say that um, probably uh, today, first of all, I'm not really sure that we can uh, 100% challenge Burgundy yet, because Etna is such a a new, uh, young and vibrant uh, denomination. So we are still working on our path. Everything started around 2002 with the pioneers, which are De Grazia, Franchetti, and so on. But uh, we are still still very young and we need to learn a lot. And I'm young as well. I'm 33 years old. And even though I'm running the winery since a while, I think that we are still um, still learning a lot of things. let me tell you that first of all, probably the biggest challenge for a winemaker here on on Mount Etna, but also all around the world nowadays, is to adapt yourself to a specific terroir in order to produce wines which are uh, on the spot. So let me tell you that uh, it was easy for me since the beginning, but at the same time, of course, very challenging uh, because Silvia decided to invest in Milo and Biancavilla for the Carricante, which are the original and traditional areas for Carricante making. Um, you have to imagine that Etna is also not really comparable, in my opinion, to Burgundy because this is a new wine region. Uh, the, everything started around 2002, 2004 with the first pioneers like De Grazia and Franchetti. So we are still building our path to excellence. But um, at the same time, I think that uh, the style here was very clear. Uh, 
we build up this state buying land in rigid and, and cold areas. In Milo, we start from 800 meters, and in Biancavilla, which is southwest, we start from 980. And the estate itself, which is on the north, again, in Contrada Moscamento, it's actually a sort of uh, natural ring. It's like a huge horseshoe, like an enormous amphitheater surrounded by two lava flows. So here at the at the winery, and I'm sorry again for the connection, but it's a problem of, of the weather, Everything is cold, rigid, rainy, cloudy, and misty. So the style of the wines was very clear since the beginning. I wasn't really able to produce wines, even with with with, uh, with the intention to produce wines with muscles or jammy or huge or with 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 bulky with a bulky soul. Uh, the the style that we created was lean and sharp and salty and vertical and iodine and elegant and austere and ethereal somehow. So I think that uh, I, I'm just talking about my personal experience, but the style of Fessina, it's very clear. And I'm glad that you tasted the Contrada Moscamento with Cernilli. Probably also you and Stevie tasted an old vintage of the Apudara with the tasting of Salvo Foti the day earlier on, which was Etna 10 years. But uh, again, talking about aging potential, I'm not really sure about which is the real aging potential of Etna wines uh, because maybe technology is still developing. And on the other hand, all the samples are quite young. Uh, excluding two or three wineries, it's impossible to taste Etna from, for the 90s. And uh, I don't know, but in my humble opinion, uh, you need a license in order to talk about aging potential when you have wines with, with 10 or 15 years old. The winery is almost 16 years old. So I can tell you that my old Carricantes are in, a, in an outstanding shape, but who knows in 10 years? Uh, so... It's delicate for me to talk about age potential. For sure, we are creating quality and interest, which is, in my opinion, also related to the to the market. The, the consumer taste is changing a little bit. You know, in, in, when I when I ended up my studies in wine technology, the style was very different. It was more like uh, allow me the term. Uh, uh, was a little bit more bordolese, so it was a little bit more concentration and extraction and higher alcohol volumes. And nowadays, I, I'm going to say that probably a consumer out of 10 uh, select a wine on a shelf thinking about wine pairing, a meal, or, or a dinner with friends. So the wines are, in my opinion, not all around the world. Of course, I'm a huge lover of, of Bordeaux and Bulgari, and, and of course, I'm, I'm a wine lover. Uh, but at the same time, in my opinion, if I see the general market, the, general, the, the average consumer, wines are more lean and fresh with lower alcohol, crispier, more gastronomic somehow. So I think that Etna, Etna is in the right spot also because the market allows us to stay in the right spot. Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I kind of have this feeling uh, about your wines. I feel uh, that they are very much uh, modern in style. They're vertical, they're a bit saline in the taste, uh, very fresh and inspiring. Uh, just just the way you, you described it with the sea influence, with um, uh, beautiful acidity that keeps them alive for long, but also quite... 
I don't know. The, the, the Edno Bianco for me is uh, probably the only wine that can, can be compared. Some of the few fewer wines that could be compared with Champagne in the terms of acidity and complexity at the same time. So for so for me, your wines are very much as a new wave of uh, Etna uh, Etna wines. You know, so b- maybe because you're you're looking out what's what's out there on the market maybe it's your uh, maybe it's your own interest uh, in the wine so you taste so how do you how do you what's what's your way to to follow the trends how you understand where you should lead your style of the wine let's say where you should be going what's what's going to be in the next uh, five years what <clears throat> what are your feelings about it First of all, I want to say to all of you, including Stevie, that I celebrated uh, Thanksgiving uh, yesterday as well with some U.S. friends. And uh, like you in the in, in in your recent tasting, we tasted at least 120 wines, but just yesterday. So right now I'm a little bit um, uh, confused about which wine should be the perfect wine for a market because I tasted so many good wines yesterday. It's difficult to decide and it also goes on your personal mood. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I don't think that you should, um, as, a, as a, a wine producer, you should follow the, the market style or follow the... Uh, the the trend or the fashion of the wine in that specific moment. I think that uh, you should have your own soul, which is also related to uh, subjective uh, characteristics. Uh, I really, uh, at that time, I mean, I I really uh, married the style of Tenuta di Fessina because Silvia was uh, on the same spot as me, I would say, uh, I wasn't really uh, so again I studied in Piemonte which is also uh, in Langa also which is also a, a special place for me because I think that, that, that I'm, I'm really in love with Nebbiolo so when I when I maybe the, the comparison uh, with Nerello Mascalese it's difficult to compare Mascalese again with Nebbiolo even more but probably it's a, a thing which is close in my mind to a good Mascalese it should be something nebbiolesque, not not really a nebbiolo. So, and I think that Silvia was more or less on the same spot. So since the, since the beginning, we bought Botte Grandi, three thousand and five hundred liters, no barriques, no new oak. The style was all about elegance and freshness, and again, um, austerity and, and verticality. But um, on the other end, of course, the wines are changing through the years. Uh, a little bit, but uh, I don't know if you want, if you really want to make an iconic wine, I'm, I'm not really sure that you should follow a lot the market. You should create, you should just create something which is special. It's unique. And if you are really able to create a label, which is outstanding, uh, it should be like that because it's able to go above the fashion. And at the same time, of course, you will fit it like now for Etna, but uh, I'm not sure that it's uh, it's the wine that drives the fashion and not the opposite, probably. Thank you for this explanation. But if you to make it short, to to if you if you had to explain the style of your wine in just one sentence, in a few words, how would you describe it? Green like laser, something sharp something that that walks on a string i don't know uh, something like that to me 
Um, it, it should be as clean, lean, and and volcanic, and uh, it should it should taste like a wine from from higher altitude, from like a wine from the mountains. Yeah, beautiful. I hope I hope uh, <laughs> you guys will listen to uh, to this interview. They will you, you will have a chance to. Um, to taste this wine it's uh, it's really interesting um experience so um yeah quite sharp quite vertical um very very lean indeed um oh, can you can you please uh, tell us a little bit about the hospitality facilities uh it's a beautiful area and um I had a chance to to look into some rooms to see <laughs> how it is, but can you just explain um, how many rooms you have, uh, if if it's possible to come and and stay? What what else in the area? Do you have a restaurant? Any swimming pools? Like what what's the estate is like? So the the estate was was built up in the 17th century as a palmento, and you have to know that palmento it's a Latin word that comes from pavimento. Tomb, it means floor and is actually an old winemaking area introduced uh, firstly by the Greeks during the 6th century before Christ on Mount Tetra. So it's an old building and um, it was born as a winery mainly for producing bulk wine. Uh, you also have to know that we have a really, really small train that goes all around the volcano. It actually circumnavigates the volcano. It's called Circumetnea. And the winery, it's one of the few ones with a train stop almost inside the winery. And this was uh, made for a specific reason. Uh, the train was bringing wine barrels down to the coast. Uh, they built it up the train in 1894 just to ship wine down to the coast. So all the ancient wineries are almost on the way, or few ones nowadays, but at that time many. Um, I'm sorry, have... is this uh, train still running somehow? See, we don't know when, but it's still. It, it appears like in Harry Potter, more or less, same feeling. Suddenly you have the train, but uh, the schedule, it's... Um, you can guess the schedule nowadays. You can guess the schedule. The, the, the only one that I'm sure about is the, the, the one in the morning the, because it, 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 it brings scholars down to the coast. So that's why you cannot miss that one. Uh, besides that one, it's difficult to, to understand when. But we are working on it. We have a beautiful association called Strada del Vino dell'Etna. We are working on it. We want to make something special for tourism you want to make something special for wine lovers uh, that also it looks stupid but of course if you take the train to visit wineries you don't really have to drive which is a, a good plus i would say if you want to visit three or four wineries in a day um again uh, talking back about the estate uh so it, it it's it's like it it's like a we have a word in sicilian it's called borgo but it, it's like in a small um, hamlet and um, we have few buildings all around. And in total today, we have six rooms for accommodation, but we don't rent it as single rooms. We rent it as a private villa. Uh, the idea is to create conviviality around uh, casa, so around a, a home. We don't really like the rhythm of the of the accommodation in a hotel or something like that. We want to have families, friends, or wine lovers all together in the same place, sharing the, sharing the common areas and uh, living a, a slow life, you know. At the same time, we do have a wine tasting uh, 
department with three WSIT sommeliers working every day here at the winery from more or less from March to the end of November. Right now it's slowing down a little bit, you know, it's not really, it's low season right now, Mount Etna, it's, it's cold and uh, very, very rainy. So not, not, the, not the right moment. I suggest spring, summer or autumn right around the harvest is fantastic. And uh, we do have a pool, salty, but it's just for me, not for the guest. I'm the only one allowed to swim in the pool. So sorry about that. Lucky you. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. oh, of course, I'm, I'm joking. Of course, you can you can taste the wines around the pool all year long. Oh, nice. That 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 is great. But what else uh, to do? Uh, but uh, visiting wineries. I mean, since you live there, you're probably the right person to ask. Is there any activities? What what else would you do if you're not? going around the wineries and tasting wines what else to do on that oh night? you can you can wear a cape in the morning and uh, plot against your enemies in cloudy and, and rainy days like this one because there is not so much to do with this weather but let me tell you that b- in between april and the end of october etna is fantastic you can do so many things i mean i love i love hiking first of all the northern slope is my favorite area. I acted so many times up to the craters, and at least if you visit w- once the volcano, you should see you should see the top, or at least get close to the top. If you, of course, cannot reach the top. Um, the other interesting thing to do, which I really really like, is going and having a good picnic with friends on Sunday at uh, the Alcantara River Gorges, the Valle dell'Alcantara, which is a, an, an alluvional, a fluvial area uh, almost at the border of, of, of the northern slope of Mount Etna. Fantastic, beautiful. You can do body rafting. You can just chill around the river. Beautiful. And uh, you can ski during winter because we are I, I i suppose i don't want to say something which is incorrect but i think that we are the only place in sicily where you can ski or the only one where you can ski decently at least in sicily so there is a beautiful ski center area on the northern slope in piano provenzano where i go very often my wife is very good i'm horrible in skiing but uh, at least i try and with with awful results but at least it's funny for 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 her and um I'm gonna say that probably, of course, if you if you like walking, like you know, there are so many. You can go around and and picking mushrooms, like porcini mushrooms, or looking for. There are so many things to do on Mount Etna. Also, a, a really good few, really few good places where you can drink a glass of wine. We have few places like Pipungustai or Sandro Kavox with, with outstanding wine lists where you can taste all the wines of Mount Etna and even more. Of course, it's a slow life, you know, but I think that all the winemakers or, or wine guys or girls that lives in into a winery kind of... It's it's like a marriage, you know. You you cannot really do so much clubbing. <laughs> it's it's countryside life. That sounds beautiful enough, really. <laughs> I think I think we just all imagined uh, these beautiful days uh, on the on the Mount Etna. No matter it's a good weather or bad weather, they say that nature has no bad weather. <laughs> you either have good weather 
or best weather. That's it. <laughs> I, I, I was born in, in, in November, so I'm romantic. I like the fireplace on and rain, like severe rainfalls outside. That's my weather. I, I'm, I know that uh, I will have so many haters from this thing, like summer people, but I'm, I'm, I'm a winter guy. <laughs> Nice. So, uh, what, what um, when you show your area to foreigners, there are a lot of, of them coming uh, to see. What what are the main things they should know? What are the main things you try to tell them about your area? So, uh, of course, making so much hospitality in, in so you have to know that we started around 2016 with the accommodation and the hospitality and at the beginning I was alone with Silvia so everything was very craft and 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 sincere somehow and pure uh, and and uh, I tried through the years even though nowadays it's a big machine to keep that um original uh, feeling alive which is uh, conviviality and which is sharing something with with your with your guest because it's really important in my opinion besides the fun and of course those people are coming at the winery to enjoy a day in you know in countryside having lunch and drinking wine and they don't want too much pressure on them of course but it's really important in my opinion to create a little bit of a didactic side to those people so to me since the beginning it was very important to allow me the term uh, educate uh, in the meanwhile of the fun those customers so I, I think that th- th- it's very important for us to communicate what Etna is today. So, and then fascinates it's a lucky winery because we have uh, w- w- we grow grapes all around the three different fields of Mount Etna, so northeast and southwest. So when you visit the estate, we have a beautiful 3D map, and I will show you me or my collaborators will show you which is the shape of the DOC, why the north is the north, why the east is so new, and, and then we have the Valle del Bove and the new craters, and why the Etna Bianco Superior is that way, and why the southwest side is that way. So, I mean, in the meanwhile of, of, of the whole experience, uh, we, we really try to communicate what Mount Etna is, because if you have enough fun and if you have a good experience i think that you will convert yourself in an ambassador for the wine around the world so i think that we are really trying to communicate the brand that that's the, the main spot for us besides even besides the the wines themselves because wine when wine it's 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 good and i hope that our wines are good they doesn't really need too much explanation uh, i don't i'm not a big fan of uh, infinite text sheets or stuff like that i want to tell you the story behind the wine the terroir and 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 why mount etna makes those specific wines i will not bore people with long uh, pretentious explanations well, you know, a uh, volcano, volcano is obviously a dangerous place to live. Um, but somehow, uh, when you're in the area, it feels so peaceful. And this is a very contradictory contradiction, a big contradiction for me. How would you explain, how would you describe why this is so peaceful? Even though <laughs> on the back of your mind, you, you, you kind of know that you're on volcano and anything can happen. I mean... Why? But, why is it so peaceful in the? I, in- 
I, I'm gonna say something crazy, but I don't think that this place is more dangerous than the than than other places. I mean, uh, I of course I'm aware that there is a huge, massive, active volcano few steps <laughs> away from my house, but. Uh, at the same time, I really never felt completely in danger. You know, I think that first of all, I live on the northern slope, which is the safe. Let me let me touch uh, wood in this moment, but it's the safest place. Uh, I will never probably, maybe I could, but I will not really invest around the Valle del Bove, Zafferanetnea area, because that's that's shaking a little bit too much in the in the past years. So of course, maybe it's unpredictable, so maybe it's going to happen in. In, in million years or maybe uh, less, but uh, I, I think that all the Etna people will, will respond to you in the same way. We wouldn't be here without the volcano, and we don't really consider the volcano as something dangerous. It's the opposite. We consider the volcano as something that it's a gift for all of us. So, uh, of course, certain nights you wake up because it's shaking a little bit or it's making noises. It sounds like fireworks sometimes or stuff like that, but... Uh, I'm completely accustomed to it. Moreover, I have a warehouse which is uh, 30 meters uh, uh, far from my house with several bottles of wines. So I think, and moreover, the insurance, it's horrible on Mount Etna. If you build up a winery, avoid or, or choose a good insurance because the the only way for me in order to uh, sustain a lava flow would be cover myself with the lava flow into the winery so th- there are a few reasons to 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 love this volcano but there are also a few risks to to join which is having a bad insurance for instance yeah yeah i imagine i imagine that but um I, I, there was a new eruption on Etna just a few weeks ago. Did it somehow influence uh, your state or any of your states, or do you worry about oh, those eruptions y- at all? Y- yes, I, I lost my flight back from Milan because I was in Milan uh, for business and uh, the flight back was uh, delayed or moved on in uh, in another airport in Sicily, which is Comi. So, this, so th- I will say that the most annoying part of my whole experience of Mount Etna Besides, maybe in certain vintages, I have some small damages on the on the bunches, mainly on the east, because the southernest crater, it's the most active right now. And you have to know that it erupted many, many times. I think that in, in 2021, we made, yeah, yeah, in 2021, we made the record. It erupted more than 70 times, which is annoying because you have a lot of ash rain into the streets, on the cars. Uh, roofs and so on and it's 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 difficult to to manage and at the same time of course if you have a severe eruption you can have solid stuff flying in the air i'm talking about stones and lapilli so you can imagine how much damage you can have but this is quite rare you know it's not something super common the the really painful part is losing my flights which happens very very often uh, because of the ash in the air so they have to move the plan uh, in another area which is horrible because uh, you know it's not um, lovely to have a flight change yeah i can imagine so in that in that sense yeah of course it's no very little pleasure <laughs> but no. You know, let's move uh, to a bit uh, different topic about uh, uh, markets uh, for Etna wines. Um, what 
where do you sell uh, the most or what do you think are the most prospective uh, markets for Etna wines, for Tenuta de Fessina especially? So in, in Italy, we have a, a single distribution, which is Compagnia del Vino, that it's owned by Antinori, Porroget, and Mr. Saverio Notari, which is very good. I think that Italy covers plus 30% of our markets nowadays. And another good spot, which is probably another 30 35% goes in the U.S. through Pioneer Brands, which is our national importer. Uh, besides that, we are in around uh, 16 or 17 markets around the world. I think that uh, I've been, I've been uh, so U.S. it's super fragmented. It's like Italy, so it depends where around the U.S., but probably you know, the major cities like New York, LA, the East Coast, probably a little bit more. It's very well educated about Etna wine. So you can go there and uh, because, the, the you know, it's difficult, but the perception of Etna between us, so wine people, wine lovers, it's, it's uh, let me allow, highly considered nowadays. It's trendy and it's cool, but if you travel a little bit around the world, you see how much work we have to do to spend sponsorship in a proper way the wines from the volcano um so there are a few places which are very very well educated i think about japan for instance australia of course europe like uk we do sell a little bit all around scandinavian countries middle central europe uh, uh, i'm gonna say that probably it's 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 growing, but at the same time, it's so fragmented. I mean, you have to imagine that the whole DOC appellation makes a little bit more than, than 4 million bottles. So if you expand this number around the world, you see how much Etna it's, it's at the end small compared to other numbers today. Uh, it's nothing, you know, 4 million bottles. It's It could be a single winery in other areas of, of Sicily or even in Italy of the world. So uh, we are growing and dynamically, but at the same time, it's, uh, we take some, you know, we need some time also for, for other reasons, you know. Yeah. Uh, do, would you recommend any, um, any event uh, that, that one could visit and maybe taste uh, a number of uh, wines from Etna, besides visiting each winery, of course. I mean, there's Taormina Gourmet, but it's not really focused on uh, only Etna wines. Mm -hmm. So is there is there anything in the area that you would recommend for wine enthusiasts or wine experts, uh, wine professionals, to really understand all the different uh, styles of Etna, to see different producers Mm. absolutely yes so for professionals journalists like wine professionals I'm going to recommend uh, Etna Days which is sponsored by the consortium of DOC Etna Wines and it, it, it goes around the beginning of September fantastic event you can taste all the wineries uh, we are we gather on in a single place and you can taste all the wines uh, and after that you have a few days of of, 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 of course master classes and uh, I guess the sorry. connection is better Again, I, so yeah. I was saying can, say, can you start over uh, this, the same the same phrase please Oh yeah, absolutely. So I was I was just saying that you have uh, uh, wine tastings in the same place with all the wineries. So you gather on all the different wineries and you can taste the wines. Um, you have few master classes, not few, several master classes, and uh, you 
there are a few days also dedicated to visit the wineries as professionals. We made a fantastic wine dinner this year at Fessina with other producers like Monteleone, Federico Graziani and Tenute Bosco. It was lovely. Uh, regarding uh, <clears throat> um, like wine lovers, generally talking, I, I do suggest Contrada dell'Etna which is around April, end of April usually, right after being Italy. And uh, you literally taste more or less all the Etna wineries. Is it, is, is it here in Castiglione di Sicilia, where I also live? And um, three days event, outstanding. You can taste all the wines that you want. The first day it's from samples, so new vintage samples. And the other two days are about like current releases. So really funny. Lot of winemakers, um, so I suggest those two. Yeah, thank you so much. It's uh, it's very valuable information, I guess, for enthusiasts to to really look for these uh, events and then apply in the um, in advance. But uh, is it um, is it only for wine professionals, or do you have to be a wine journalist or? Or, or it's for basically for anybody who applies. So the, the first event, which is Etna Days, is just for professionals. And the second one, Contrade, is for everyone. You see professionals, but you see also you can buy the ticket and get in. Okay, great. So that is that is fantastic. I would I would love to go after this experience. Uh, of three days on on Etna, it's it looks very fascinating to to taste more because you cannot get enough uh, of Etna. I mean, as much you get to taste, you understand how much more there is left, <laughs> and and you just you and I, I at least I want to come back and uh, and do some more tastings, some some more events with um, Etna producers. It's absolutely beautiful. So you guys, if you have any questions. Um, you ple- you're welcome to ask. There is one question uh, from Dante. So um, he's, he thanks you, Jacopo, for the great stories, for the tell about. Uh, and um, how are your sales to Scandinavia today? Is it, if uh, there are any collaborations that do and and what these collaborations look like? That's the question. First of all, thank you, Dante, for the question. Um, I'm working uh, through the monopolies in uh, in uh, in Norway and, and Finland, and I do have a national importance in Sweden, which is Gastrovinum, Elizabeth. Um, I think that the Scandinavian countries is very good for me for two reasons. Uh, we do produce just organic wines here at the estate, which is highly de- demanded. In, uh, in Scandinavian countries, and I do work with, I work well with few tenders through the years as well. Uh, in Denmark as well, actually, I should mention Amken and Biolo, which are our importers as well. Um, but uh, um, I think that even Scandinavian countries, it almost grew up with Etna, you know, it's, it's, it's increasing numbers every year, and I, I see much more development in education but also in passion about about Sicilian wines in the Scandinavia more and more every year way more compared to 10 years ago but uh, again we were talking about the events and Etna but you have to think that uh, everything is growing right now Mount Etna I mean when I started uh, 
and or or better when we started back in 2007 probably the number of wineries were was around 40 or 50 uh, today we are we are 166 but with the doc appellation but more than 300 in, all around the volcano, also without the DOC appellation. So the numbers are like, you know, expanding so dynamically through the years. And uh, uh, therefore, o- also the markets are, are absorbing and growing more with us. It's, it's, uh, it's not just Scandinavian countries to me. All my markets are, are growing decently. This year, probably a little bit less because as you probably, many of you knows, there is a little bit of contraction on demand, but... Uh, with those numbers, we are we are doing fine. Yeah, thank you. That's uh, that's really interesting. And um, can you speak a few words about uh, food and wine pairing? About about some typical uh, dishes uh, of region of your region, Amatneta. I mean, Sicily is very di- diverse. Yeah, it's uh, mm-hmm. so. Um, I mean, it's so big, and it's like just like a continent. So I don't speak about the. Uh, other areas, but on Etna, what is the most typical dish, or maybe on the north uh, of Etna or southeast? Can you give us some ideas? So, so I I was born on the seaside in uh, in uh, in a small town. Um, let's say Messina, that, that it's almost uh, almost known. I'll <laughs> say it's on the northern tip of the island. It's one of the capitals. Tupati. Say it again, sorry. Is it is it close to Pati somewhere? It's really close to Pati, exactly. Okay, then I then I've been to your area, <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. I love it so much. Uh, what I remember was um, a sausage with Pinocchio uh, seeds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Something, something really delicious. Mm-hmm. So you have to know that I'm, I I have two. The, my heart is split up in two because I I I spend a huge part of my life here on the mountains but I was born in front of the sea so if I think about something that reminds me like I don't know hiding below my grandmother table while she was cooking and my mother was there I think about a very simple dish that you can do also um, it's traditionally and it comes from uh, from from poor people heritage I don't know how to say it properly in English sorry I don't want to offend anybody but uh, <laughs> it's um it's made with sardines, and in Sicilian uh, we call it masculine in tamaglia, which literally means the small sardines which are uh, trapped into the web. And you take those, you make a little bit of sauté with garlic, with a little bit of wild fennel, and uh, y- you put the pasta in, pro- pro- possibly spaghetti. So you, you make a little sauté with the sardines, lemon zest, a little bit of garlic, tomatoes if you want, a little bit of, of wild fennel if you want to add mint. I'm not usually, but you could. And you put the spaghetti in, and in the meanwhile, you prepare some crispy breadcrumbs. I like it to season it and to give some flavor of citrus in it. So you can, you can put, but just at the end, because otherwise it gets bitter, a little bit of lemon zest or, or orange zest, and you put it on the spaghetti at the end. So that's one of my favorite dishes. And uh, and it's very simple and it's super cheap. Uh, of course, the the fish, the fish on the coast is outstanding. So we have we have so much fish all around. Uh, regarding the mountains, probably I'm going to. 
let me say that this area is very well known, the Nebrodi Natural Park, which is the huge mountainous area. It's the biggest natural park in Sicily and it's really facing uh, Mount Etna. We have the, 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 the Suino Nero dei Nebrodi, which is uh, something between a wild boar and a pork. And uh, we breed it. My father actually owns a, a company that, that breeds uh, wild porks from the Nebrodi. And uh, I'm going to say that probably you sold me the salsiccia, Anna, because I was saying salsiccia. But let me tell you that probably the the ribs of, of the black pork um, season it, it a little bit with some with some spicy stuff and a little bit of honey into the oven for like six or seven hours if you have a slow sunday or something like that very low temperature like 120 130 celsius and you can do a little bit of wild veggies with it outstanding as well and one goes with the white wine and the second one with the red wine so you have you have a, a combo now it's it's impossible to listen to you if uh, if you're hungry. So, <laughs> but you have to know, Anna, that uh, that I didn't have lunch today because I was working in the barrel cellar for almost the whole day. Uh, so I'm talking like that because I'm starving right now. That that's why I'm so passionate about food. Okay, okay, but uh, we have just a few more questions, and we'll let you go. So no, there no. is Andre. I'm, I'm, no, I'm not in Russia at all. I'm sorry, I'm not in Russia. Okay, okay. So there is a question from Andre. Uh, Ciao, Andre. Can you can you please uh, unmute yourself and ask a question? Uh, good evening. Um, my name is Andre Vaskilin. I'm Italian wine ambassador from Latvia. Um, and I have, a, let's say, two questions. Okay? Sisi, Andre, please, please. Yeah, okay. First of all, you have very excellent, beautiful, pure English, right? Uh, as well as understand you sell your wine abroad, so you are expert. So my question, why, maybe I'm wrong, but anyhow, maybe... I'm wrong, but no. Uh, why is your uh, website, actually, as many of uh, famous iconic wine producer, is only in Italian and no English? So, Andre, first of all, thank you for your compliment. My mother paid me a master degree in English, so it must be good. Otherwise, she will beat me off. Um, <coughs> The the second uh, thing is that, yes, we sell around, so I, I learned a little bit uh, traveling, you know, because I take care of the export and I'm also the brand ambassador. But um, our website is also actually in English. You, you should find it up on the right side. Uh, but right now we are under construction because the website is new. So certain days and probably the day that you went in wasn't giving you the option in English because we are working on it. But usually, of okay. course, you can you can do the English. Okay, okay. I just I just opened it. So okay, I, I, I hope everything will be okay. But uh, again, the situation in Italian wine industry is very unusual because many of the co uh, uh, wineries they don't have just english because you know how to internationally if you're all actually today we have we have more english uh, speaking speakers uh, rather than italian speakers here at the winery so i should raise italian and leave just english that would be way better okay Sorry, let's I'm come back to my main question okay uh, okay 
Uh, actually, uh, you have one of my favorite uh, uh, wine, very rare, very unusual, 100% Norella Capuccio. Especially, I might say, it, vintage 2015 was really, really crazy. With the so low level of alcohol, I remember 12.5 or even 12. It was so complex. My question, uh, could you just uh, describe uh, the idea how you started to make this wine and maybe challenges? Because again, 100% Nerella Capucci is very unusual. Okay, so thank you. you. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Jacopo. We have only one minute left until the closure of the session. So could you please uh, answer this uh, question briefly? Absolutely. So uh, we were lucky because we had uh, we purchased uh, the field of the Apudar on the southwest, including one hectare of Nerello Capuch. That's why we started producing this wine itself, because otherwise it's very rare to have a, a mono field of Nerello Capuch. So it was a gift, and we are still producing Leneo, which is, as you mentioned before, one of the few cases of Nerello Capuch on the market. Okay, thank you. And there is a last, the last question. From Valentina, uh, do you have plans for new vineyards uh, in other slopes? She means uh, east, especially because she thinks your wines, your whites are stunning. Thank you so much, first of all, Valentina. Um, I'm always replanting a little bit every year. Uh, here in Rovitello, I planted almost two hectares this year. In Milo, we are planning to add a little bit of space, even though there is not so much room right now, so it's difficult. But, uh, you know, working with old vines means also having a strategy of regenerating the vineyard through the years. So we do a lot of muscle selection, thanks to a guy in France that helps us and uh, I'm uh, replanting the original clones of the uh, core vineyard every year, more or less all around. Thank you so much. Um, I guess uh, we're running of time, out of time right now. Yeah, Laika or Stevie, would you jump in? Stevie, are you still there? <laughs> Okay, I guess I'm gonna I'm going to close the room. So before we um, close the room, I also wanted to mention that next week we're going to have a clubhouse on November 30 from another Sicilian producer. So his name is Salvino Benanti to be interviewed by Marco Nordio. He's actually all the way from New Zealand, so that's why we're having a clubhouse in the morning at 9, 9.30 a.m. So that's it for today, and thank you so much for your time. And yeah, that's it. Uh, we'll put it up on the Italian Wine Podcast. Ciao, everyone. Thank you so much, Jacopo. Grazie a tutti. Ciao. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin. <laughs>